0: What a great song. Some of you came today, you needed to hear that. God is able to do what he needs to do in your life. My name is Mark Krenz. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's so good to have you worshiping with us this morning. To give the band a a hand, they lead us in worship every week and just create this amazing environment for us to to worship, and and we're so blessed to be able to be here. I want to give you an update on our Multiply campaign. Let me try that again. I want to give you an update on Multiply. That's better. That's better. That's better. How many of you have been hearing about this now for about a, a year and a half? How many of you have been hearing about it from the beginning? Some of you are thinking, is anything ever going to happen? Are we ever going like to build this building? Is it going to happen? Well, we know there's been some changes in leadership, and, but you know what? The campaign and the progress has continued along the way, and here's the, the good news, though. Um, we're nearing the end of this, this phase. We're looking at May 3rd, the countdown is on, 21 days, where we're going to be targeting a date where we can have all of our pledges in and be ready to go for the next level. And so, see, for me, I'm coming in pretty new, and so I haven't, you know, been through that long part of the journey, but I'm excited about it, because I, you know, coming here, I knew that was part of the deal, and when I was called to be the pastor here, I was excited about this vision. And what I loved is, it's not just a vision for a building, the building is, is awesome and it's, and, and it's such a huge deal for what we're going to do. But it's about what we will do through that building. But let's look at what, what, what we're looking at here. We got some new renderings this last week, some 3D renderings of the, uh, of the building. For those of you who have a little bit trouble maybe with models and floor plans and that, maybe this helps a little bit. You see over to the right of that image is our current um, entry. And so we're kind of looking uh, towards the north, and over here on the left would be what would be the entrance to the Student Life Center, and, uh, and, and stretching to the right. Now let's look at another image. This is looking a little bit more from our entry side over here. You see the brown roof there? That's the, uh, the, the mountain kid's wing where we're going to have all that tremendous children's ministry. And now let's flip it around. Uh, let's look from the other side. That helps you with the green grass, right? The patches, the sea. Now we're looking from the other side. And that's going to be uh, part of our administrative wing and offices and also, again, looking towards our children's ministry area. Now we see this this building. and, And what I see in there is, again, an environment for life change. It's what happens in that place and through that place. It's like a heart beating. Blood comes in and and gets recirculated and then gets pumped back out. And that is what Multiply is all about. That we are creating the kind of place where lives are changed where children and youth come to know Christ where we have adult classes where our worship auditorium here is expanded so that we can continue to multiply our impact in this community and far beyond. And so this is an exciting time as we're coming down to some of the coming down to the wire here for some of these final days. Look in um, in your worship folder. There's a whole section in there if you have haven't already seen that uh, about multiply. And it gives you some important upcoming dates. And right now, I just want to quickly draw your attention to the multiply project box at the bottom. The project total is 4.7 million. It's a it's a large total, but it's gonna be a, a tremendous facility that, that we have. And here's a great, great news. Cash to date, 1.2 million. $1.2 million has already been committed, has already been, been given and brought in and saying, this is our investment. People believing in this, you believing in this to say, we want to see this happen. Thank you so much for your generosity and giving. Now, pledges yet to be paid, these are, these are pledges that have already been made, and people are in the process of, of, of paying those pledges and bringing those in, and we have still outstanding of those, just over a million dollars. And if you consider the, the maximum debt that we are willing to take, that the board is willing to take on, that leaves the remaining amount needed at $562,000. So we are coming so close to be able to do the whole thing. And what we are asking for you for the next couple of weeks is to really be praying about what your part is. Now, some of you, very common question asked is, I've already pledged once, maybe twice. You got another pledge card here. What, what am I supposed to do with that? If you've pledged, thank you. You don't need to do anything else. The only thing we're going to ask you to do is that you would write on the pledge card somewhere your name and just say, I'm going to continue to fulfill the pledge I've previously made. Or if you'd like to add to that or look through 2016 or make a change, let us know that. But if you are just continuing on, just say, I'm continuing with that. And again, thank you for your faithfulness and continuing to give in that way. Now for those of you who've been waiting or maybe wondering when do I jump in on this and when do I become a part of this, these are your weeks. Right here, these are the weeks where we want to have, by May 3rd, we want to announce in here where we stand, and we'd love to see that last remaining total outstanding to be um, pledged and ready to go, because we know that when, the next, when we have the next million in cash, uh, that will allow us to pull the trigger and to begin to really get this process going. And so we're very close on this and, and are excited about the things that are coming up. There's a few things I want to draw your attention to Uh, One is you're going to get a FAQ sheet when you leave today that's going to answer some of your frequently asked questions. That's what FAQ stands for. So we'll we'll have that on your way out and hopefully that will address a few key things. Then next week following our second worship service, which is this one, there will be a QA session with some of our board members and building team members and staff. So any questions you have, we want to know that we want you to know we're here and available to answer those questions and to make sure you have full knowledge of of what this process and project is. And so that's next Sunday following the second worship service. And then I am super, super, I don't use this word very often, stoked. Because I think I'm just now too old. I think once you get past 40, you can't really use stoked anymore. I'm super excited about this uh, Sunday coming up. It is Multiply Sunday. It's happening in two weeks from now. And if you show up in two weeks at, uh, at this normal time here, at what time does this service start? I don't mean, even 1045? I'm just here when it starts. You'll miss most of it. If We're having one worship service on that Sunday. One service, our, our services combined, how are we going to do that? We're going to do that at 10 o'clock, and you're going to sit on each other's laps. That's one way we can get everybody in here and just double up everything, kind of scoot over. No, we're going to have one service on the new part of our, our, our property where we're going to be building this building. We're going we're gonna to put up a big tent, and we're going to have a good old-fashioned tent worship, Right, right? We're going to have a revival, Woo! we're going to have a great service. We're going to be out there. We're going to have hundreds of seats ready for everyone. We're going to have worship out there. We're having a baptism, a time to celebrate all that God has done. It's time for our church to celebrate. It will be a landmark Sunday. Never before since we've gone to two services as a church have we been together in one place under one roof worshiping together. I don't think any of us want to miss that. And, of course, you don't want to miss being part of the all-church photo. I mean, you've got to, have, you've got to do that, right? And if you're missing on that... You know, you you miss out one time, so we're going to do that. But then after worship, following worship, we are going to have the party continue. We've got bounce houses for the kids and games, and we have uh, food provided for everyone here, a great barbecue, so plan to come and stay and enjoy and just be together as the church, celebrating what God has done, what God is doing, and where we're heading. It's going to be a tremendous Sunday. Now, here's the thing. A couple of logistics I need to tell them to you now is it's a 10 o'clock worship service, so don't show up at 10, okay? 10 o'clock, we want to start. Come early, come half an hour, 45 minutes early. Parking lot, obviously, we can't double up on that. They'll be parking up at at Desert Mountain at the high school, and so we can take a, we'll have shuttles running back and forth. Dress comfortably, wear shorts, whatever you want. Um, We're going to be out on the the dirt area. Don't wear nice heels or something that you can break, men, okay? We don't want to see that, Um, you know? So just come and ready to have a great great celebration Sunday for all that God is doing in our church, and we want to celebrate this multiply, a season that we are bringing to an end, and so then on May 3rd, we want to reveal uh, where we stand with with our campaign at that Sunday. Sound good? All right. Great things are happening. Hey, I want to introduce to you Bill Dunn. Bill is one of the first people that I met coming to this church as he was on the search team, and so I've gotten to appreciate and love Bill very much. Bill, would you share with us some thoughts
1: this morning? I would have given you an amen at that revival thing, but... (laughs) would have taken us back to those Flip Wilson days and get you too excited. <laughs> By the way, we raised the kids in Pismo Beach, so you can say stoked there even if you're as old as I am. Yeah. Good, morning. Good morning. Well, Let's see. I think it's been about six or seven months since we last chatted. We were talking about the progress of the search team. <clears throat> Let me go back and tell you a little bit about how that happened. When uh, Patty and I retired, we... Drove into Phoenix in a large motorhome about three years ago, maybe a little more. Didn't know anything about McDowell Mountain Church, but stumbled across it, came to worship service. We were only here for a couple weeks. There was something about this place. I don't know what it was, but it uh, spoke to me. We were on our way to Atlanta to see three of our seven grandkids, and so we left. And About a year later, we came back for another visit. And we stayed. And it was a place where we weren't really necessarily looking for a home, but we found one here. And we parked ourselves in that third row right there behind Steve and Pat. And for about a year or so, we just really enjoyed being part of this church. We it seemed like every Sunday when Matt preached, he got a little bit better, a little bit stronger. And... Uh, Michael is doing amazing things in audio vision, occasionally speaking, and Jeff brought me into a, a Thursday afternoon Bible study, and he's a great teacher, and Steve invited me to a men's Bible study on Saturday morning. Anyway, we were just fat and happy and doing really well for about a year, and then somebody got up in front, and I don't remember if it was Matt or if it was Dean or if it was Grant, but one of them got up and said, we're going to multiply. We're going to do a building campaign. And I thought, oh, my goodness, Lord. We've already been through three of those. You do have a sense of humor. Is this why you brought me here? And so God said, yeah. At that point, we didn't know Matt was going to leave. So we were on vacation in July, <clears throat> get an email from Pam and she says uh, you've been gone but we don't know if you know but Matt's being called back to crossings he and Robin are going to be leaving shortly and about three or four days later I get a call from uh, Russ Scholl, and he says Bill we're putting together a a search committee we'd like for you to be on it I said sure I'll pray about it he said by the way, would you consider leading it? (laughs) I said, I'll pray about it. And so we had our first meeting. Uh, I was still on vacation, so they put me on an iPad on the mantle, and the rest of them were sitting around in a group. And guess who got voted chairman? (laughs) So we got back home, and we, um, we had our first real meeting. And the seven, a great search committee. I've been on search committees before. Never been on one quite like this. Most search committees are like herding cats. They're really difficult to get people on one page. Not so with this one. It's a great committee. So we sat down and we decided that we would, we would try to figure out what characteristics would we like or, or do we think we should be looking for in a new lead pastor. The first was he, he needed to be a, a good communicator good teacher, someone with a presence who could speak and, and move us, motivate us. Also needed to be someone, uh, be a man of character, transparency, nothing to hide, willing to be real in front of us. And the third, and one of the really important ones, was that we wanted him to be someone who could fit in with our existing staff, you know, not clear the decks and bring in their own people fit in with our existing staff, get along with them, <clears throat> and share our DNA, catch our vision of where we were ready to go, where we figured God was, was leading us with this multiply thing. And I got on my knees I asked the Lord to help me. I said, God, you, um, <laughs> you got me into this. I don't think I used those words, but it's like I know you've got somebody in mind. Why don't you just tell me who it is? You ever prayed like that? So as I be, as as the lead guy, I began to make some phone calls, and the first one was to Matt. I said, "Matt, hey, you know we're looking for a guy," and he said, uh, "Yeah, I know." I said, "We didn't get, even get to say goodbye." He said, "Yeah, I know." I said, "But if you were in my shoes and you were looking for somebody, who would be the top two guys you would mention?" He said, "Well, there's a guy in the Midwest, a guy my name is Steve Southard's." And there's a guy out not too far from us by by the name of of Mark Krenz. I said, I don't know Mark. He said, but what you might want to do, you might want to talk to Rod Stafford. Rod Stafford is a pastor of a large church in Virginia, Fairfax Community Church. He's been a mentor to just about every young Church of God pastor, preacher that, he said, you might want to talk to him, get his thoughts on it. So I I called Rod and we, we talked for a couple of hours. And then I asked him the question, Rod, if you could, you could wave a magic wand, who would you think would be the, the good fit for a new lead pastor at McDowell Mountain? I said, you know McDowell because you've been mentoring Matt for years. He didn't even hesitate. He said, well, there's a guy. He's not too far from you actually guy by the name of Mark Krenz. You should talk to him. So I talked to Jim Lyon, who's the executive chairman of the Church of God. He's the, he's the grand poobah. He said, Well, there's several guys you could talk to. My personal choice would be Mark Krenz. <laughs> I called Don Doe. I said, Don, what do you think? And he said, Well, you know, I've been recruiting Mark to come over and take my place here in Vancouver. So Mark is obviously my first choice. And so we went through this process and we kept thinking, God, could it be that easy? Could it be that plain? Do we need to, shouldn't we kiss a few more frogs? Shouldn't we look through a few more resumes? Should, this is going to this, this be record time. And God seemed to say, just take a vote. So I said to the search team, how about we just take a vote and see? I think it was Mike Petty's idea. He said, let's just take a vote and see where we all stand. Seven nothing, let's call Mark. We took it to the the elder board, servant leaders. Five nothing, let's call Mark. We put it to a vote, the church, and out of several hundred votes, I think there were only a handful, maybe five or six, half a dozen, that said no, and I'm not even sure who they were. Actually, I do know who they were. If you'd like to get that list from me later on, I could, <laughs> I could give that to you. So he's here. He's an amazing young man. And Shannon, what do I need to say? We're in a place now where we're getting ready to, to, to really go full steam ahead. Uh, one of the things that I noticed about this place that really caught my eye was there's a strong sense of DNA for this body. Gather the people. Turn our hearts and minds toward God. Love, no strings attached. And now a fourth part of that DNA. Multiply. Multiply. There's not a lot we know about God because the Bible tells us his ways are not our ways. But we do know this, that God is love. And in the word it tells us, God so loved that he gave. So we're going to ask you all to give. My grandma taught me at a really young age to tithe. I wasn't even walking with the Lord at the time. I just got my first job and she put me on this plan and I was tithing 10%. You probably don't know this. Most people don't tithe. About 20% of the church does. That means 20% carries 80% of the load. It's not that God needs our money. Well, in this case, we could probably use a little, huh, Mark? We need to give because of what it does inside us. It changes who you are when you become invested. This becomes your place. This becomes your home where Jesus speaks to you. So we invite you all. We really do need you all because Jesus is calling us to multiply. An old man going a lone highway came at the evening, cold and gray, to a chasm, vast and deep and wide, through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. Sullen stream had no fear for him. But he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pilgrim near, you're wasting strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You're never again gonna pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build you the bridge in the eventide? The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said. There followeth after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm which has been not to me, to that fair-haired youth, May a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I'm building the bridge for him. Jesus has called us to multiply. Now let's get this thing done.
0: Thank you, Bill. Yeah, follow that. Exactly. Uh, thank you, Pastor Bill. <laughs> My services are, are no longer needed here. Wonderful. Thanks so much uh, for sharing. It really is a, a blessing to be here and to be part of this church. We feel so at home and, and welcome here and, and excited for God, where, where God is taking us on this journey. Well, we are beginning a new series today called Jesus According to Jesus. Now, many people have ideas and opinions about who Jesus is. Was he a prophet? Was he a, a preacher? Was he just a good moral man? Some even wonder, did he really exist? Did he live? Or maybe he was crazy? And you, you, uh, you ask people today and, and say, well, you know, who, who is Jesus? And, and a lot of people only use his name, you know, in, like, hey, Jesus is my homie. Ever hear that one? Is that who Jesus is? Jesus is my homeboy? <laughs> Can't use that either. I guess that doesn't work for me. Just like uh, stoked it doesn't work apparently for me. But you know, we have these different ideas about who Jesus is and, and people have their opinions. But what we want to do in this series is we want to we kind of cut through the noise and say, okay, who does Jesus say he is? And, and does it matter who Jesus is is even a question that we need to be asking. Because how we understand who Jesus is determines how we relate to him. If you see him as crazy or if you see him as your Messiah or your Savior or your Lord, what do those things even mean? How we understand who Jesus is changes how we relate to him. Now, we know this in, in everyday life that, that advertisers uh, base their advertising on what they know about us, Right? So if they know who you are, they're gonna target their advertising towards you. Now I like uh, to listen to music when I'm in the office and I often have on Pandora. Any of you guys listen to Pandora? It's a, it's a you know, music app and station where that, it picks the music for you. You just pick the kind of song you like and it just all day keeps pumping on so- out songs that are in that similar vein. Now because it's free, they have advertising on the screen that pops up every, every once in a while. And, and because uh, you know, I'm in the office I'm, and I looked over at my screen and there's a screen full of the advertising that is single women in Scottsdale. Okay, and I thought, this does not look good. You know, somebody coming into my office on this big screen, there's, there's single women in Scottsdale. What's, what's the pastor up to? And this doesn't look like my wife walks in. What's going on here? And I, was, and I kept trying to change the setting on the advertising. I'm like trying to cover it up or whatever. And then I decided, you know what I got to do? Um, I'm going to go to my settings. I'm going to change who they think I am. And so I went in, and, and I changed my, my birth year by 30 years uh, older. So I went to, from 1972 to 1942, uh, which now you know, makes me a 72-year-old uh, person. And I changed from male to female. So I made myself a uh, 72-year-old female, And uh, according to Pandora. And, and yes, your pastor lied to Pandora. That's, uh, that's true. And, so, and then I clicked Save, and it changed the advertisers. And you know what the first advertisement was that popped up? single men in Scottsdale. <laughs> so I couldn't win, I couldn't win. And, uh, and, all, and all other kinds of uh, advertising. So if you come to my office, you, you understand now if I'm listening to music. But but based on who Pandora thought I was, it changed the way they related to me. And I think based on how we understand who Jesus is, it changes the way that we relate to Jesus. And so, like I said, we want to cut through the noise. We want to cut through everyone else's opinions and go to these statements that are made in the New Testament where Jesus himself says, I am dot, dot, dot. And he tells us some revelations about who he is. So let's um, dive into that and uh, turn our hearts towards what God has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And thank you that you want us to know you, that you want to make yourself known. And so, God, as we dive into your word, help us to know you better and to understand who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For this series, we're going to be looking at the book of John, the Gospel of John, which is the fourth of the New Testament books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It tells the story of Jesus, just like the other three, but it's a little bit different. The first three are called the Synoptic Gospels. You don't have to write that down. That's just bonus for you that go, hey, what's that mean? These are the first three, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were kind of very similar based on a similar source. But John has a little different flair, a little different feel. John is one of the 12 disciples. And so he spent time with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He knew Jesus. He went through the highs and through the lows, through the most exhilarating times, through the depths. And and he came to know and to love Jesus and understand who he was. And so when he set out to write the gospel, he had this intention, among many other intentions, but one of the key things is he wanted us to know who Jesus was. And we get a clue on this at the very end of John, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He talks about why he wrote the book, why he wrote the gospel. And he said this, Jesus' disciples saw him do many other miraculous signs besides the ones recorded in his book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing in him, you will have life. What he's saying is, the reason I write all this and more could be written is because I don't just want you to know about him. I want you to know who he is. But in the end, I want you to believe in him because it's going to change your life because you will have life if you know him. And then you go to the front of John, in the very beginning, in John chapter 1, he writes about the, the word and that, the, the, talking about how Jesus came into the world, and in chapter 1, verse 10, he says, although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him when he came. And so at the beginning, he's, he's basically saying, look, people didn't recognize who he is, and by the end, he wants you to know who he is. And so he takes certain statements that Jesus made, these I am statements, these metaphors, and he peppers them throughout his work and so we're gonna look at some of these last week we actually began with one on easter when jesus said in the context of the the death and the burial of lazarus what did he say he said i am the what anyone remember <laughs> the resurrection and the life he made a clear statement the resurrection isn't just an event It is a person. It is Jesus Christ. This week, we're going to look at a different metaphor, and that's John chapter 10, verse 11. John chapter 10, verse 11, where Jesus reveals himself in this way, and he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, this is a metaphor where where we have to try to understand, what is Jesus talking about? When was the last time any of you saw shepherds and sheep? Anyone passed any on the way over here today, driving through Scottsdale and Phoenix? And we don't see sheep very often. We don't see shepherds. It's not part of our everyday culture. Actually, where, where we moved from in, in Pinal County, we were kind of out, out in the boonies there. We had some fields, and, and we would see sheep periodically there. That When the, the field was resting, they would bring out you know a whole flock of, uh, of sheep, and they would graze and do their manure stuff and fertilize it, and then they would have little babies and little lambs, and they would be bouncing around. We'd take our kids to see them, and so we got to see sheep up close a little more. But, but yet, this idea of a shepherd and, and somebody that, that is near them and guides them, we don't see that very often. When I was in the Middle East in Lebanon, I remember driving up one of the the mountain roads, and all of a sudden we had to come to a a dead stop and just wait for I don't remember how long because there was a shepherd that was leading some sheep up the mountain and along the road and onto some different fields. And we just don't see that. But in that culture, there, when Jesus talked about the good shepherd or that he is the good shepherd, people understood that metaphor. It was very relatable. They saw sheep all over in different places. It was part of the economy. Sheep were an important, important part of that. They could provide milk and wool and food and, and, and sacrifices, even for the temple. And so shepherds and sheep were, were very prominent. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, sheep are mentioned over 200 times. So all throughout Scripture, we read and we hear about sheep. And just for the record, you know how many times dogs are mentioned? 44, I think. And cats? zero. <laughs> Enough said. I think that ends the argument once and for all. Sorry, all you cat lovers. <laughs> but so when Jesus is talking about he is the good shepherd, then the question becomes, well, who are the sheep? Who are the sheep? This is a, this is a freebie. That's an easy question. We, we are the sheep. But he's implying that we are the sheep, and then some level we could go Well, you know, that's nice. Jesus is saying that we're sheep. We're soft and cuddly and cute and fluffy and and, and white. And, you know, just that's not how people understood sheep back then. Sheep were, being called a sheep was not really a compliment because of the nature of who sheep are and what they do. And if you don't know, I, I've done some research for you. I've become a sheep expert in this last uh, week or so. So let me share a few things about you, some qualities of sheep, and see if any of these maybe apply to us and why Jesus may have selected this as his metaphor. One of the very first things that we know about sheep is that they get lost. Anyone relate to that? They are directionally challenged. Okay, Sheep are known for wandering. They're, they're known for just not knowing where to go. As a matter of fact, if they just make their own decisions, they just kind of end up who knows where, they end up lost. And if they follow the, 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 the crowd, the flock, that's another, they're flocking type of animal. And so they'll go wherever the herd goes, but they're just wandering and lost. A story came out of, out of Turkey where it says that 450 sheep died. You know why? Because one of them went off a cliff and the next one followed. And the next one followed. And the next one followed. And they actually said 1,500 sheep went over the cliff. Can you believe that? I mean, at some point, you know, we think one would have communicated or seen what was going on. But, but now you go, why did 1,500 fall and only 450 die? I asked that question myself. So I dug a little deeper. Well, the first 450, but then they kind of created a little bit of a cushion, I think. And the, the rest of the sheep were maybe salvageable. But it's not a huge... It's not a huge compliment when, you know, Jesus is saying sheep are directionally, uh, directionally challenged. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says this All of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own. We are prone to wander. We are prone to walk away. We are searching, looking for the answer, looking for the path. What is right? We get lost in our pursuits and we veer off course. Now, another quality of sheep is this. They have really one ambition in life, it seems, and that is to eat. Sheep get hungry, right? Sheep get lost, and sheep get hungry. I mean, sheep are eating all the time, and if they're not eating, and if they're hungry, they start bleeding. Not with a D, with a T. Bleating, you know, like make some kind of weird, crazy, annoying sheep sounds. And and I think that's kind of like us, right? Especially men, right? If we're hungry, we start whining like little babies and trying to find some kind of satisfaction. You've seen those Snickers commercials, right? Stop, stop acting like a Betty White. Do you guys watch TV? Anyone? All right, just making sure. Uh, but, but so sheep are hungry. They're constantly looking for something to nurse, and they're constantly grazing and eating. And, 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 and what they'll do is they'll just eat a, an, an area raw and barren and if nobody takes them or leads them somewhere else, they're just gonna go, go hungry. So they're constantly wanting to be fed. And I think about us and, and the hunger that we have when we are followers of, of Jesus. or just as human beings, this idea, this craving that something needs to satisfy us. Where do we find that? And I believe that's why we pursue so many different things. We pursue success. If I can just get to this next level, if I can have this next level of education, if I can just get this raise, if I can get this house, this car, if I can just go on this vacation, if I can find this love, those are all cravings. If I can, if I can fulfill that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going, and, and if I don't, we get cranky, and, and we're just searching and looking like, like sheep. The third thing that sheep do is they get harmed. <laughs> they get easily hurt. If, uh, if you were in a dark alley at night, and uh, a sheep approached you, would you be frightened? Well, some of us would, because we have no idea what sheep are, right? But, but the reality is, a sheep can do nothing to you. You just go... Right? And these sheep are defenseless. They have no power. They can't attack. They have no fangs. They have no, like, strong muscles. They have no horns. They have no venom. They have no claws. They have no camo. The only camo they have is to get into other white, poofy, fluffy things and hide. They would do very well in snow, but that's not a great climate for them. So sheep are very defenseless, which means they are very prone to get injured. Right, wolves come and want to attack them, and and predators, or they could easily be stolen. Right? I mean, no, what, you just pick it up and you, you go away. Sheep can't do anything. Okay, they're very they're very um, defenseless. And so, in some ways, this feels again like kind of like an insult. Like Jesus going, "Really? I mean, you know, I, we like to think of ourselves as, as as powerful. You know, we have something to to offer. We can fend for ourselves. We're we're sharks or we're eagles or bears or or you know, we have that imagery. But what? What Jesus is realizing is like, no, there are forces at work that you are completely powerless and defenseless against. Now the fourth thing is sheep get dirty. Sheep are dirty. Like we think of them as clean and you know cotton balls and all poofy. But the reality is if sheep are left to, them, to their, themselves, they're very filthy, dirty animals. As a matter of fact, a few years ago in, uh, in, in New Zealand, there was a sheep. It was given the name Shrek. It got lost and separated from its herd or flock, whatever the language is there. And, um, and it was found in a cave six years later. Well, what happens with a sheep after six years is that their, their fleece just keeps growing and growing and growing. Well, it had so much fleece. You want to guess how much fleece was on that? How much wool? 60 pounds. 60 pounds, you couldn't see its legs, you couldn't see its face, it just keeps growing. And, and while we think that's kind of cool, or whatever, and then you know, they, they showed a picture of it sheared off and there's this tiny little sheep inside this massive 60 pounds of, of wool. But what, the reality is what happens to most of them, they don't ever make it that long because they'll die of overheating and, and And they'll die from not being able to eat, because the wool grows over their eyes and all around, and they can't see, and when they can 't see, they jump over cliffs they um, you know they can 't get food, and they can't function anymore and so, so there's that problem and then there's one other issue that sheep have with keeping clean is and this is kind of gross, but it needs to be said because it 's factual. The flies will lay eggs inside. of a a sheep who hasn't been taken care of and cleaned. And those maggots will get into the skin and they will actually eat the sheep and the sheep will die. So Jesus, thank you for this compliment of saying, we are your sheep. But I think if we look a little closer and go, Van, can can we relate to some of these things that that we just try and we struggle but we can't maybe even care for ourselves the way that we need to be cared for. But there's one quality that is true of all sheep if they're going to make it. They need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd without a shepherd it's lights out for the sheep they're defenseless right they wander they fall they get lost they they die they, they get dirty i mean all these things happen so the sheep need a shepherd and that's where jesus comes along and says look i am the good shepherd and i want to be your good shepherd and and here's what here's what the shepherd does we get lost the shepherd guides The shepherd guides us. In Psalm 23, which was the psalm written by King David in the the Old Testament, and and we read it and hear it often, and he he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And he already acknowledges that that relationship of a shepherd that cares for him. In in verse 3, he says, he guides me along the right paths. The good shepherd is a guide. He's the one that brings us to the places where we need to go. Now, are any of you facing any big decisions? Do we ever face big decisions? All the time all the time and what may seem big to one person might not be to another but but we face big decisions like like who am I going to marry who should I date should I break up with with this person Uh, what house should I buy what neighborhood should I move into what about my job should I stay should I relocate should I go to another company you know you're thinking about what treatment plan should I pursue for what's going on in my life what do I do with a child who's who's a wayward son or a daughter? What do I do with maybe aging parents and, and where they would live or what they would do? All these kind of big questions all around us every day. We need a guide. We need someone who's willing to come alongside and say, let me help you make that decision. Now, now how does that happen? How do, how do we hear from God? Well, Jesus says in, in this example, and in John chapter 10, where he says, I'm the good shepherd, he also says in verse three and four, he says this. The sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he gathers his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow because they recognize his voice. See, there's like this relationship. He knows the sheep, and they recognize his voice. Now, in in in, in times of old, in the Old Testament, we read this too, where where the shepherds would bring all their flocks together to the well, and they would they would give drink to the sheep. And so, all these sheep coming together from all different flocks, you can imagine it gets kind of crazy. And you're thinking, how can I tell one sheep apart from the other? And then, in the end, how do you separate them out and go, that one's mine, let me grab mine, and let me grab. How does he separate the sheep from all these different shepherds? The shepherd would turn, and whatever call he would make, however he would call his flock, and he would walk, and his flock would begin to follow him. They would hear his voice, and they would pursue that. Now, we might be thinking, well, it would be great if God would just say, And speak to us. I could hear his voice and he's, God, guide me, lead me. We heard Bill just talking about that, just that prayer. We have those prayers. Well, how does God speak? Well, even as Bill shared, he speaks through other people sometimes. He begins to confirm things that we hear from people who we respect, who have a great, strong relationship with God, who we seek for wisdom and for guidance. He speaks to us through prayer, like pressing something on our spirit or in our heart that just won't go away that we know, God, this must be you speaking to me and guiding me in that direction. I don't know. I feel compelled to do this. God is prompting me to do that. It's, it's something we've learned to dial into. God's word. He speaks through his word. When we read his word, when we open up the passages of, of scripture and see what he says, those words come to life and take root in us. When we gather and worship, when we come and we hear the teaching or we gather for Bible study, God speaks and he guides and he directs us. Not only does God guide, he provides. Remember sheep are always hungry? Well, God provides. He provides everything we need. He guides us to green pastures. Listen to Psalm 23, the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. Where does God guide? He guides us to places where he will provide for us. You know, when I get this picture of these green meadows, I think about some of those shots if you've watched the Masters at all on, on TV. I just started kind of watching golf a little bit more and I got kind of hooked. And then they show, these, they show these images of these perfectly manicured greens and these lawns and, and then these calm, still waters and beautiful flowers and, and you go, yeah, I could find rest in a place like that or I could golf, but I could find rest. And we think about places like that that are peaceful. And, and, and God's saying, I want to take you to that green pasture. We go to these places again and again trying to find nourishment, and it's just dry and empty and barren, no place to get fed. And Jesus says, look, there's more. I want to guide you to a place. He says, I'm the living water. I'm the bread of life. Come to me, and you won't be thirsty. You won't be hungry. We can find that satisfaction in him. Well, as I said earlier, sheep get harmed. We're defenseless. Well, he protects Says says, your rod and your staff, they protect me. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he protects us. He's there for us. And, and he wrote earlier, and as he talked about being the good shepherd, he said, you know what? The, unlike the good shepherd, there's a thief. There's somebody who wants to climb over the sheep gate and wants to steal the sheep. He has different interests. He doesn't have the best interest of the sheep in mind. But the good shepherd, he says, he will lay down his life for his sheep. He says a hireling's going to run away and flee when the trouble comes. I ain't dealing with that wolf, not for 10 bucks an hour, you know, and he runs away. But the owner of the sheep says, I'm laying down my life. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. We just are on the heels of Easter. He laid down his life willingly to the wolf so that we wouldn't have to, so that we could be safe, so that we could have protection. God is a good shepherd, and he protects us. When you feel anxiety, when you feel stress, when you are worried and anxious about the things of life, are you following the good shepherd? Are you allowing him to lead you and protect you and to guide you? And finally, he cares. We can't care for ourselves. We can't clean ourselves, but he cares. And he cleans and he restores and he makes us new. And that's the beauty of following Jesus. When he says he's the good shepherd, he is there to bring us into that relationship. And I love the story we have in, in, in Luke too, which talks about a good shepherd who when he has a hundred sheep, and he goes at night and he brings them all back together. He sees one is missing. He goes and looks for the lost one. See, Jesus knows you. He knows me. He knows you by name. And he calls you. He says, come and be a part of the family. Be a part of the flock of of what he's doing and what the church is. And it's this community where we follow God, we listen to his voice, we ask him to guide us and to lead us, to protect us. And even as we endeavor to go forward as a church and and see what the future has, we need to continue to listen to the good shepherd and to follow what he says. I want you to bow your heads and we just want to pray right now. And I just want to ask you, do you recognize his voice? Jesus wants to call you by name. He wants to be your guide, your protector, your provider. Will you let him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us through this beautiful illustration of a good shepherd and sheep. When you say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, We're reminded of the pressures in life and the things that want to take us off and take us out. But God, your purpose is to give us life to the fullest. Father, may we follow you to greener pastures, to peace and to hope. We love you and we thank you. We follow you. Amen.